Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing. Hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. There we are. So glad to have you joining us. The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Can you believe it? I know you can. It's Josh Carey here with a a very happy guest. I think that that's the appropriate term, isn't it? Today is all about happiness and what that word really means, how we define it, how we gauge it and determine are we happy? Am I happy? How do I, how do I monitor that? To help us answer at least some of those questions, I imagine, it's Taylor Proctor right there. What's going on, Taylor? Hi, I'm so excited to be on the show today. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. So I said today's all about happiness, and you are, in fact, the transformational happiness mentor and founder of right there, Happiness Abound. The exactly, it's a perfect branding. The the big question has to be your title, transformational happiness mentor. I want one of those to follow me around all day and to have on speed dial. What in the world is that? What does that mean? Absolutely. So uh, before we got on, you were like. That title, I've never heard anybody with that before. I haven't either. And you hear about life coaches and mentors, but for me, I really wanted to specialize. And I have, of course, my own journey for happiness. And it really has been a transformation from anger and bitterness and resentment and fear and really living in those spaces of my life to a complete transformation where I am happy and joyful. And for me, I always felt like I was at war in that other space. And so now I feel like I'm at peace and I can really have happiness in my life. And so uh, with my mentoring certification and then tapping that into I'm all about happiness and the transformation that can happen, I thought, you know what? I think the title needs to be exactly what it is, which is I am a transformational happiness mentor. It's absolutely perfect. And really, you can imagine you're preaching to the choir. I spent decades, really, uh, not only hiding, hiding all of my true ability, true talent, true capability in exchange for seeking approval, because I felt if I dare show up capable, uh, I might make you feel a little insecure about your capability and you might lash out and get all kinds of nasty on me. And I didn't feel um, secure enough to be able to, to handle that and to reply to that. So I just ignored all that, which you know, then causes so much anger, frustration, despair, very un 
happiness. So uh, I love that. I want to get into some of your story, but looking through your your website and your services and what you do, one of the points you make is that you'd, you help people first identify that they are capable mm-hmm. of being happy. Is that is that a problem that you're seeing that that there's that that there's a, an emotional disconnect that I can be happy or I have it within me the capacity to be happy are people missing that Absolutely so really I think what it comes down to is as a society we have been trained to complete the societal checklist right and if we complete the societal checklist it equals success, which then it equals happiness. Not necessarily true, but that's what we have been taught and trained. So the things like getting the degree and then getting the house, having the nice marriage, the family, the corner office or the, the title in your job or the business, right? The successful business. And when we've met that checklist, then we believe we'll be happy. But the truth of it is, is that when we hit those points, we're successful but that doesn't necessarily mean that we're happy Mm. and happiness can be such an individualized thing that when we've done this mass checklist, we feel like if we then try to become happy, it's ungrateful for what we have and the success that we've achieved, but also we are supposed to be happy in our brain. So when we see that we're not happy, we've met the societal checklist. We should be happy by society standards. Then we feel like we're broken. Mm. Like what's, what's wrong with me? I have everything that I want. I have everything I've worked for. I'm successful by all standards. Why am I not happy? Why do I feel broken? Why do I feel angry? Why can't I make these changes? I keep on going back into the habits of anger and fear, but we don't want to really admit it's fear. So it's just anger and bitterness, right? Oh. We don't wanna, yes. We don't okay. want to go back into that, but we keep on habitually doing it and then striving for more success instead of actually realizing that maybe I could be happy, but we've tried and tried and then we don't feel like we're capable of it. So I have this mindset of, and I believe everyone should, which is why I'm here, but there's this mindset of if you don't feel like you're capable, you won't feel like you're qualified. And if you don't feel like you're qualified, you won't feel confident. And you have to have those three to be able to move forward in the world and be your happiest self and make the biggest impact. And everything ripples from that. I'm sorry. Can you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I love this. I'm taking notes. Uh, what were those three steps? Capable. Uh, so capable, qualified, and then confident. So you cannot feel like you're qualified to do anything until you feel like you're at least capable. So if we look at it in the lens of happiness, mm. do you feel broken and like? There's just no way I've tried and I can't be happy. And this is just kind of the life I'm resigned to, which nobody wants to be there. That's a a misbelief that you're not capable. So if you can start to believe that you're capable by adding in happiness habits and things like that, you can start to feel like you're capable. And then when you start to feel happier, you actually feel like I'm, I'm qualified. I I'm a real, I'm a person. I'm a human being. I'm qualified to be happy in my life. And then when you have that step, you can step into your confidence of who you are your identity in the world, your mission in the world, and be able to provide that to the world and be your happiest self. Mm, Such good stuff. So many ways to take this. I want to start, uh, so capable, qualified, confident. When you put it like that, it makes great logical sense. Now we just have to get the emotional uh, portion attached to it. So let's start at the ground floor here, capable from somebody who feels incapable and that they're not able to, um, where do we, 
where do we find that first footing, that first step to say, okay, I am capable if there's a disconnect so we can venture down that path? I would say as hard as it is, release the expectation. So we believe that we should be, should is the optimal word here, we should be inherently happy. So when we're not, that's when we feel like we're broken and not capable. Mm -hmm. But if we can release that expectation and go, okay, maybe happiness takes a little bit of work and it's a skill, essentially, it's a learned trait. At that point, you can start to feel like you're capable because uh, listeners of your show, right? We're all here because we are business owners, entrepreneurs, et cetera. We know we can step into it. We can learn and grow. We can solve the problem. We can come up with a solution. If we can look at happiness that same way and release the expectation that it should just be, we should be this way. And if we're not, we're broken, release that expectation and step into, okay, this is something I can learn. This is something I can solve for. Once you start to do that, you'll start to build evidence that, yeah, actually I can solve for this. And that helps you feel the capability piece. All right. Wonderful. How do we then now, because we're using this word happy consistently, how do we really not only define it? Sure. How do we in words define it, but how do we measure it? How do we know? Is there uh, an accepted worldwide definition and feeling of happiness? Are there different gauges and barometers? Let's start there. I have a lot more questions on this topic. Yeah. So I'm actually going to, I'm going to steer you away from that conversation because here's the thing that feeds into the expectation that there's a global happiness barometer, as you said, which can feed into feeling like if I'm not hitting that mark, I'm a failure. Right. And so the real, the real crux of this whole situation, the reason that we are even having this conversation, I'm in the role and position I'm in is because so many people feel like they should be hitting a standard of what everyone else is saying happiness is, when in reality, happiness is so unique and individualized to you that if you can cut out that standard, that expectation, you can find what really truly helps you feel happiness in the world. So I'm, there are studies and things out there where they've done like, if you do this, where did you start? And then where did you end up? Did you feel like you could do more? You could do less things like that. And, uh, there, I could pull those forever, but we don't need them. Yeah, I I, honestly, I don't think we do. There's logic behind all of this and there's science behind all of this. But the truth of it is, is that if we're looking for the gold standard of happiness, it really puts us in that same category of the gold standard of success. And we meet that checklist, which really sets us up for failure. Okay, so then let's talk personally. How does one... what do we need to do then? We, we need to, to first define what our happiness is? Yeah. yeah. So what I do is I ask every person that comes and works with me to rank on a scale of one to 10, how happy they are in general. And 10 being like, I'm the most happy and overjoyed person in the world. I actually am just talking to you because I just like talking to people or whatever that may be. And then one being like, I'm in a really, really rough space right? And most of the people that I work with, they'll rank themselves at like a two or a three, like not incredibly unhappy, but because I have success and I feel like I should be grateful for it. But I'm really like the two or three where I just am in this world of anger and this space of sadness and despair. And I just feel like I can't get out of it. Hmm. And at that point, it's, that's the unique thing to you. Like, I can't tell you what that actually looks like in physical day to day, but I can tell you what it feels like. Mm -hmm right? So if you're feeling those things, then you could probably be in that two or three range. 
And within a 10 week program of working together, we ask that question every single week when we meet and it's like, Hey, over the last week, how were you? And we start to see that by integrating the habits and routines and things to help us be happier, unique to them, then they can grow up to that seven, eight, nine range. And it's really funny. Nobody ever wants to admit they're a 10. <laughs> like there's this weird, like, I'm so happy. I'm happier than I've ever been, but I'm a nine and a half. And I actually love that because that means that there's more room to grow and to be happy. There isn't a final result. Just like in life, the journey doesn't end until like, we can't say, oh, yep, I hit success. I'm a winner now. And then you've got, you're alive for another 20 years. It doesn't work that way. There's always a journey. There's always opportunities to learn and grow. And our happiness is that same thing. So, so I would say yeah. ask on a scale of one to 10, how happy you're feeling. And that can be relative to your perspectives. What about the idea that, while we're talking, I might be a seven or eight, but check in with me later tonight, I might be a two or three. How do we account for those kinds of things? Yeah. So I think there's a, at the end of the day, there's a couple ways you can go about it. At the end of the day, overall, how did I feel the day went? Right. And if you are the kind of person who can identify, if you're to that point, I should say, where you can identify your successes and things like that, then you'll probably be in that higher range. If you're at a point where you're like, oh, I feel like I didn't get anything done today and you're beating yourself up, that negative self-talk, and you're not able to see your way out of it, you're probably in that two or three range. So there's looking at your day as a whole. And then what I would do is maybe just keep track of that for a week and then take the average of those seven days and be like, okay, on an average score, my happiness is this. The alternative that you can do, which is a little bit more detailed in the tracking, is either at the end of, I'm going to say at the end of every hour or every four hours, check yourself. Hey, those last, that last hour, that last block of time, how happy was I on the scale of one to 10? Write it down. And by the end of the day, you can take that average and be like, okay, overall, I was fairly happy or overall I was not. And then do that for a week. And then that can help you get that composite score. It's not a, you're unhappy now, so you need a coach. It's not like that at all. It's how happy are in your life in general? And do you want to see that improve? Hmm. So I think this answered the question. Um, we are all human. So even somebody who's an eight, nine or nine and a half working towards that 10, those people still find themselves at times occasionally angry, frustrated, confused, fearful, right? 100%. Life happens and we're humans. 50% of our emotions are going to be what we have deemed as negative. When in reality, when we look at what we're deeming as negative emotions, there's a set that I like to call like blanket emotions. So anger for me is a blanket emotion. And I am hesitant to say this, but it's true. My template is actually anger. What does so that mean? When, so when I feel threatened or vulnerable or weak, scared, any of those things, I try to blanket that and protect myself. If we look at the fight, flight, or freeze mode, I try to protect myself by fighting, which is for me, anger. So if I'm ever feeling triggered, anger is my template. And I have to work really, really hard to go, okay, yep, we're feeling it today. What can I do to shift myself back? How can I look at this position and situation differently, et cetera? But we're humans. 50% of the time, we're going to have what we deem as negative emotions. And it's up to us to pull back the blanket, see what underlying causes there are, and then go, okay, yep, I can work on that. Identify feel, work through them, and you can swing back to the other side of the pendulum, which we're deeming as positive emotions. So for me, like you didn't ask this, but I'm going to say it anyways. Um, I have people usually ask me, 
well, you're a happiness mentor, so you have to be happy, happy all the time. And that's a lot of pressure. And I'm like, yeah, that is a lot of pressure. I'm not happy all the time. I'm a work in progress just like everybody else. But the thing is, is the work in progress is how do I be happy on that side of the spectrum, on that side of the number scale more frequently than not? Not an expectation that I'm going to be happy all the time. I've reached my end journey and I'll never feel negative emotions again because life doesn't work that way. And you just alluded to this and you said it earlier. You said that fear is anger and bitterness and a whole host of other negative emotions. Put that into perspective for us. I love that. Uh, so when we are angry or frustrated or bitter or jealous or any of those negative emotions, that is nothing but fear. And then we could use that knowledge to our advantage to inch our way away from it. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll use actually a personal example uh, in business. I think we kind of do this a lot where we may see someone doing something and we're like, we want to do that or we've had that idea and we haven't acted on it yet. And we can start to feel, you mentioned jealousy, um, jealousy and envy towards that individual. And then if you're me, other, some people fight, fight or freeze, right? So some people will be like, I immobilize. They can't move forward. And because now that person has taken their idea or whatever it is, some people retreat and are like, okay, I'm not even maintaining my status quo anymore because that person's done this and I don't even know what to do anymore. And then other people, me, will get angry and be like, that person took my idea and I'm really upset about it. I don't ever tell anybody that, but my brain is thinking, okay, like how do we get on defense on this? How do we get ahead of this? And kind of that more aggressive piece. But then I can take a look at it and go, okay, that person, I didn't, I didn't say anything about that idea to anybody. So that's just out in the ether. That's out in the world. And this person's acting on it faster than I am. That doesn't mean that I can't go forward with it with my own spin. That doesn't mean that I'm copying them. Like I can take those pieces and work backwards and go, okay, so why am I envious of that person? And that whittles down to, I'm mad at myself that I didn't act fast enough on my idea or that it didn't, the pieces didn't come together in the way I wanted them to. So I may have stalled. And all of that comes down to, I didn't, I'm afraid that I've missed my shot or I'm afraid that I'm not acting in the way I want to act. And this person is, and I can either have that shut me down with anger or I can have that encourage me to action. So in my own life, um, not only in a business sense, but with my podcast, actually, I followed a podcast for a full year and uh, background. I have a background in radio. And so I'm like, I could do a podcast. I really want to do a podcast. And I know I could talk about happiness till the end of the, till the, end of the earth. Right. And uh, I was like, I can do that. And I just didn't do it because I was afraid. I was afraid, like the judgment, the fear, all these things of like, people are going to, it's not going to be perfect. Uh, no one's going to listen. And when they do listen, they're not going to think I'm doing it right. And all these things, all this fear. So I listened to this person for a year and then they had their anniversary episode and a whole year had gone by and it totally triggered me in like a, what? <laughs> I've been talking about this for a year and she's been doing it for a year. And I found myself getting really envious, which is easy. Envy is an easy emotion. Anger is an easy emotion. What's not easy is going, okay, let's take off the blanket. Why am I envious? Why am I angry? Well, because I've been talking about it for a year. She's been doing it for a year. And the time frame that I could have been doing this and I was just sitting back and letting fear consume me. I was mad at myself. I wasn't envious or mad at her, but I didn't want to admit that. And that's at the point where you can either keep on being envious. And in my case, I was like, all right, well, 
that says to me that I really want to do this and I'm letting fear hold me back and I don't want that to happen. I can't let that happen. So I need to start my podcast. And then I did. So, I mean, there's components of that, but there's always like pull back the blanket from the easy emotions and see what's underneath it so that we can work through it and get back to the other side of action and progression and happiness. One of the greatest things you acknowledged is whenever you are angry or frustrated or jealous, uh, any of those emotions, we're quick to say, I'm feeling this way justified because of her, because of him, because of that and I am, I am justified in these emotions because of this when, no, you're really, if you took it one step further and allowed yourself to see what's really going on, you're angry, frustrated, and upset with yourself. But that's a power move. That gives yeah. you the power and the ability to say, wait a minute, if it's in my court, I don't have to worry about what they're doing. I can change my actions, my thoughts, my beliefs, my feelings, uh, my ability and then just remove that and change it and go forward happily. But it's difficult for us to do that, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. But I think that also, like if we're gonna tie it into what we talked about at the beginning, how do you feel capable to do that? Awareness is everything. And so even if it's just like, so I have this method that I use called CLEAR, and it stands for Circumstance, Language, Emotion, Action, and Results. And essentially, every circumstance that you have is neutral. Doesn't matter. Your spouse, your wife had a baby. You got in a car accident. You had you sold your biggest deal yet. Uh, you lost your biggest client. Doesn't matter. It's neutral. It's the language. So C, clear circumstance is neutral. L, language. It's the language that we use in our mind that shapes the emotions around that situation. So if I get rear-ended in a car accident, and this actually happened, um, if I get rear-ended in a car accident. And I'm like, oh, this is so irritating. I'm, I'm running behind. I hate having to stop at this kind of stuff. I'm going to have to call the cops. And it's just, uh. And you're angry about it or you're frustrated about it or whatever it is. The language you're telling yourself in your head immediately, almost instantaneously for so many of us, moves to the emotion. So now I'm angry and I'm pissed off. Well, that comes to the action. So if I hop out of the car and I'm projecting that I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I'm irritated that this has happened, How's that going to react to the other person? Well, now maybe we're in a verbal altercation about the car accident. And then the result is that I'm there for three hours instead of five minutes and being like, oh, yep. If I was mellow and I was like, okay, car accident, this sucks, but we can work through it. Emotions neutralized. I don't have to be on the positive side. I can't be happy that I got in a car accident, but I can be neutralized. Then I can come out calm, discuss the situation and be like, yep, my car's actually okay. You okay? Your car's okay? Yeah, great. We can go our separate ways and that's my action. And my result is I only lost five minutes and everybody's fine and it's all good versus two hours, police reports, being frustrated, angry, and having a story to tell for the next five years. You came <laughs> up with that uh, clear analogy? So there's several formats of it. Clear is mine, yes. Um, I have also heard Brooke Castillo talk about it as the model, but she doesn't go into like the language components. So uh, wow. yes and no. Wow, that's wonderful. I, I just wrote that down. So clear, circum, uh, circumstance, they're neutral. The language, which is really the meaning that we uh, ascribe yeah. to it, right? And then uh, which dictates and leads to the emotion, which leads to the action we take, which leads to the results we get. 
such as life. Let's talk about the habits and routines, because I know that when you're working with clients at all levels, that is, I'm guessing, a a good portion of the focus. What are some of the low-hanging fruit that somebody tuning in, we could apply? What are we looking for when it comes with habits and routines? Yeah. So one that you could apply starting today, funny enough, we've already alluded to it a little bit, is matching and tracking your successes. So when I work with individuals, that's the very first thing I have them do. The second you sign the contract, the next day, you're sending me a daily text of what your success was that day. And the thought being there is that when we're in that two or three zone, it's really hard for us to see beyond where we're, what we've deemed as failures, right? So we can't see that the day actually had some success to it. So starting there and tracking your successes daily, first off, it's amazing because like the first couple of weeks, I want to say like week and a half, two weeks, seven to 10 days, you'll be like, I don't, I don't know. What was the success today? What did I do? Uh, I made dinner. Uh, well, I, I worked out or I got out of bed. Like it's hard to find those. But then as you get into the habit of looking for your successes, you'll find one a day and it's like, that's pretty solid. Yeah, that's, that's my one for the day. And then as you keep on going like week six to 10, you're in that space where it's like, okay, I have like 10. Which one do I want to send to Taylor? And I end up getting novels of text messages about this success and this success and this success. And the thought here is that if you can track your successes, leading back into what we discussed earlier, you can start to build positive evidence in your brain. So your brain is building, either way you're building evidence. So if you're feeling like you're broken, feeling like you're um, defective, like you're not getting anything done, like you're a failure, your business is, is, could be better and what's wrong with you that it's not, whatever that may be, you're building evidence to support those thoughts and beliefs. So if we can start tracking our successes, we swing the pendulum the other way and you start to build evidence that you actually are capable of doing what you say that you want to do. You are capable of feeling in this instance happier. So we're building that evidence from the negative section to the positive section, and that can help you start to feel capable, confident, qualified. That's spectacular. I don't have my, uh, well, I should say my version of Taylor Proctor. I don't have anybody to text all this, but what I've been doing for the past probably year or so is um, Brendan Burchard, who I follow and value, he, he came out with his high performance planner, which is oh, basically yeah. uh, a daily planner that in the morning, you write some stuff in the evening, you cross-reference and figure out what you've achieved. And as you're talking, I'm like, oh yeah, well, that's, there's some things that, that that helps check as well. So I get it. And, and I'm, a, I, I'm a living proof that, that that kind of thing works. Totally. And in terms of like low-hanging fruit, you can just write it on a three-by-five note card next to your bed, last thing before you go to sleep. It's super, yeah. it's, super, it gets super easy. It's easy to take the tactical like application of it. It takes a minute to be like, what was my success today? But then you just hit the ground and you run and it's amazing and game changer. Yeah. And when we're talking about, um, you know, send in your successes or jot them down, I think too often we want to default to, well, I didn't close that five or six figure deal yet. And I didn't, I didn't uh, go live with my product or service yet those aren't the only kind of successes. If I got a reply from an email from somebody that is the start of a potential good partnership or relationship, that's a success. You know, I I really took action. I sent out this email or I made that phone call and I just had this great 10 minute chat with someone that, that seems like will be 
a good win in the future. That's a success. Totally. And I think too, when you can take off the blinders of, which is really, it's interesting to say, cause I have, I do struggle with this other than happiness and my business, but like take off the blinders of business and entrepreneurship. And like, was I successful in just this space? We need to take them off and look at, ah, oh, I, I, maybe my business, I, I, yeah, there were some things I did that were really good, but I, my success today is I actually sat down and had a conversation with my spouse. My success today is I took five minutes and got on the floor and played with my kids, right? There can be other components that can be considered successes as well, which opens up that space of looking at your life holistically for happiness. Hey there, entrepreneurs. Eric Cabral here, founder of On Air Brands and host of the Entrepreneur Circle and Capital Hacking. I wanted to share something truly unique with you that we've created called Pod Max, which is an amazing opportunity to connect you with major podcasts to help you share your fascinating stories with their communities. This unique invitation-only event includes interviews with you on top-rated business podcasts all in one day. It also provides a unique networking opportunity with high-performance guests and thought leaders who are authors, coaches and consultants, investors, speakers, executives, you name it. These are the type of people that you need to be around. We also provide industry expert keynotes to hit our stage to share insights on podcasting, investing, marketing to help you take things to the next level. And the cool thing about Podmax is that it has a multimedia agency engine behind it with on-air brands to provide social media promotions before and after the event to share your brand new shows with your network. So hit the apply now button at podmax.co and I hope to see you at the next Podmax event. Let's peel this further back and uh, dive into Taylor Proctor uh, yeah. herself, because um, we see where you are today. I'd love to see um, how you got here and what that path was truly like. What was life like growing up for Taylor? Was there any significant uh, stress or conflict? So it's interesting, because growing up, I actually had a really good childhood, which like I haven't, in my mind, I haven't suffered from any like major traumas or things like that. I'm a pretty much normal everyday person. But when I grew up, uh, life came at me like it does. I had a early marriage, marriage and early divorce. Uh, I left my family in, I, I'm in Utah right now. I moved for a job in California. I was kind of on my own there. And just things kind of happened. So nothing, there was nothing like earth shattering, like this is the moment that I became a bitter, angry, mean person. I almost said a swear word there. <laughs> I don't know if that's appropriate or not, but I, I became that like rage monster just over time. Mm. And just with life happening and starting to feel like kind of beaten down. And I think we've all experienced something like that where it's like, oh yeah, that kind of happened and that took a little chunk out and that happened and that took a chunk out. And then you kind of look at your life and go, yeah, I'm not very happy. And so for me, uh, a big, a big turning point, although he did have to tell me like five times was my husband who knew me when I was younger. Uh, so I, he and I dated, then we broke up, we both married other people. Uh, I ended up getting a divorce. Then he ended up getting a divorce. We reconnected and then we've been together ever since. And he's my husband now. So it's a great show a, on Netflix, by the way. I love that. Yes. <laughs> It's definitely a fairy tale kind of story, but he knew me when I was happy go lucky as a, like a younger individual, high school, and he would often say, "Like, what happened? You used to be so happy, and now you're angry all the time." And I wish I could say, like, he said that to me once, and I was like, 
you're right. I, I just need to fix things. But when you're in that space and you're trying to protect yourself from vulnerability and weakness, you can't say that. So I'd get mad at him. And I'd be like, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, are you kidding me right now? I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. You're just seeing things or whatever it may be. And luckily he kind of persisted and it was over a long period of time, like two years. And he'd mentioned it like five, five, six times. And finally, one time it finally clicked where I was like, what did happen to me? I am angry all the time. I feel like I am at war with myself. It's this teeter totter of angry protection and scared vulnerability. And anytime I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to be happy. The scared vulnerability comes up just a little bit. And then something happens and talks that down and I got to be angry and defend myself again. And I was just in this constant battle of wanting more and feeling like I was broken because I saw these other people that were being happy and living their life. And I was striving for those successes and maybe I was broken. Maybe I was wrong. And I got to a point where after he had said that and I had evaluated my life, I got kind of desperate. And I mean, as silly as this sounds, I would just Google how to be happy and hope and pray for any article or anything, video, inspirational quote, anything that would come and maybe help me know what I needed to do, what steps I needed to take to be happier. And that lasted for a while and a few inspirational quotes, a few little motivational things, but none of them were really like tactical, tangible, actionable, applicable steps. And there was none of that. Like there was, there's people out there that are like, do this and this will help you be more successful. Wake up early and you get more done and all these things. But none of it really was a comprehensive look at how do I actually be happier? And I realized in that moment that I had believed And part of the huge piece of me feeling so broken and down and angry was that I had the expectation that I should be inherently happy instead of maybe work for it. And that's when I started to shift and be like, okay, what are the actionable steps that this article is actually saying? Can I, can I take that? Uh, I started going to self-help conferences and be like, okay, there's an actionable step. What can I do there? Can this, does this add to my happiness? And then testing and trialing all of that. And it's been a long journey. It's been like seven, eight years since I can officially say like, this is the point where I decided I wanted to be happier and I started taking action on it. But in that time, I've discovered that the happiness habits, the things that I do every day that help me be happier, that build that evidence that set me up so that I can feel capable, qualified, and confident, help me not only achieve my goals, but feel like I'm progressing. Because right now, specifically, So much is happening in the world that we're scared. We're standing still and things are moving past us. And even though we're standing still, we start to feel like we're moving backwards and we're stagnating, but progression, taking action, action is the enemy of fear because if you can take action, you can start to move forward. You can build those pieces into place and you can start to feel happiness in your life. So there's, I mean, so many components, but I figured that out and started doing it for myself and started feeling happier. And tracking that and paying attention and being like, okay, this worked, this didn't, but was that for today? And I just had a rough day or is this something that really doesn't work for me or doesn't work for me right now? The big one is meditation. Mm -hmm. I'm not good at it. I'm not. And that's okay. I'm going to keep on trying. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And I can move on and try it again at a later date, three months from now when I'm a different person because I'm still me, but I'm still learning and growing. And so what might not work for me now could work for me in the future. What worked for me before? 
still works, right? So there's these components of this that all come together. And I realized that I probably wasn't the only one. I'm not the only one who is angry and scared. I'm not the only one who wants happiness. We all want happiness. Honestly, like if you ask yourself, what do I want most? What are my motivations for everything that I do? And you ask why enough, it all whittles down to I want to be happy. We all want it. And at that point I realized, okay, I kind of feel like I found, I found the formula. I found the, the secret sauce here. I'm happy. How can I help other people be happy? And that's when I started Happiness Abound. With the thought, my tagline is, you are capable of happiness abound. Helping people understand that they can have that capability and to progress their life and their happiness forward. So much beauty there. Uh, I want to hone in on this, this topic of anger and fear and, and frustration and all that ugly emotion that we all experience, but I feel don't talk about enough. And I'd love to open it up even more. Uh, you admitted that there were all those times you were, you were angry and defensive. And Lord, uh, I experienced that in, in certain situations today. And then when I have a less than ideal outburst or overcome of that emotion, thankfully, I'm able to catch it much quicker now and reduce any sense of uh, collateral damage, either out here or certainly within here, um, and then take some time and say, why, why did I get triggered? What happened? Then sometimes it might lead to a sense of shame, discomfort, embarrassment, more hiding. Oh, no, no, nobody can know that side of me. That it's unspoken. But really, it's a universal thing. So maybe speak of, in your case, what caused it? What were you fearful of or hiding from or using that for? I was afraid of being my best self, honestly. I mean, think about it. Everybody's striving to be, to have their best life, but none of us really know what that looks like. That's also really hard to verbalize because there's that fear of other people. Like if I say I'm striving to live my best life and I feel like I'm pretty damn close. Some people are like, Oh, she's have some humble pie there. We got to knock you off your high horse kind of thing. And that's, that's a fear. It's a fear that you're, when you step into your best self, when you, when you can admit, admit that you are happy, we're afraid that people are going to shun us. We're afraid our family's going to leave us. We're afraid that our life that we know now, this is the biggest one, the life that we know now, as uncomfortable as it is, is more comfortable than the unknown in its best sense. And that is scary. And when I'm scared, I get angry. So for me, like I was afraid of my best self. I was afraid of living my life and being who I could be and not getting knocked down by all the stuff that happens. And I was afraid of the judgment of people. And I was afraid that maybe I wouldn't live up to that standard and that expectation. Mm. So for me, that's, that's the big one that I was so afraid of. And I had to feel like maybe I'm capable of happiness. And if I'm capable of that, I'm capable of my best life because that's the thing everybody really wants. And that's what I most deeply want to feel happy and fulfilled. 
it's it's almost like when you hear um, some of us need the permission, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that confidence built in to go forward and do it. Like I said, I've lived all that. I prevented my best self from coming forward because I thought people would do just that. Who, who do you think you are? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah right. And then uh, I wouldn't have been able to handle it. But now what I'm learning is those people are, I, I could say few and far between, but rarely even seen because when you show up as you're most capable, you're doing a few things that I f- have fully observed and am living, breathing proof of. I wind up attracting fans and colleagues and supporters and people who love, admire, respect, and it's mutual here, so it just works on every sense. And I feel like I am surrounded. There's this like force field of people like you and others who have stepped forward and said, yeah, I love what you're doing. Keep doing it. Let's do something together. Let's see what, what happens. Uh, everything is a uh, creative collaboration. Even this very moment we're having right here, it's an obvious collaboration between you and I and everybody who's tuning in and participating, either emotionally or writing comments or whatnot. Um, huge collaboration. So I am just surrounded positively by as many of those people that I can continue to attract. And they're my, they're my force field, right? If anybody should try to say, hey, who do you think you are doing uh, and you know, trying to knock me down? It's like, well, I have the confidence of knowing that I'm supported by all these people who have stepped forward, who I nurture relationships with, and that works. And then also, it's about knowing that the better you do, I've heard, that winds up giving people their permission. It's, it's the mirror effect, right? We're all mirrors of, of ourselves and each other. So when you see something in me that I'm doing, it activates in you the idea that, okay, wow, I didn't realize that, or I just learned something. Yeah, I get it now. So it's this whole mirror effect that when you step in, you give others the ability to see it within themselves. 100%. And I would also say though, too, that shield and that those people, they do come, but there are going to be people that occasionally will come in and try to knock you down. I literally had someone say to me once, I'm going to knock you off your high horse. And I think the nice thing there is with my journey, and I think with all of our journeys, when we hit these, these points, is we can look back and say, ah, you're triggered because you don't like where you are at and you want to take it out on me and bring me down. It's the crabs in the bucket versus all tides rise mentality, right? And that's fine. You can see that and go, I wish you the best. I have a boundary for myself because now I feel capable and confident and qualified. I have a boundary for myself that I'm not going to let anyone stop me. Not even myself, not even my fear, stop me from being happy and my being my best self and living my best life. And when you have that boundary for those other individuals that they can come, it's, it's open for them when they're ready, but when they're not ready, it's not stopping me. And then all those people that you said that are around you and supporting you and you're supporting them and vice versa, all ships rise with that tide. And that, that is a boundary of force field, as you said, as well. So I think yeah. that there's both sides, but as you can look in your journey, you can look back not only on yourself with grace, but anybody who is in that negative space, you can look at them with grace and love and hope as well. And 
don't hold on to it, but you can let it go and say, I wish you the best. I'm ready for you when you're ready to come to when you're ready to step up. Yeah, let's let's talk about habits and rituals again. So you spoke about yeah. the um, the daily observance of successes. Um, when you, uh, I, I'd love to have you share one or two others. And in that capacity, uh, do they come down to um, a variety of habits and rituals that include uh, physical, mental, spiritual, emotional? Yeah. So I, it's kind of funny. I have there's two ways I could go about this. I'll go one way and then if we have time, I'll go the other. Sure. So another great thing that I love to do that really works well for me is declarations. So if you're like, oh, that's mantras and affirmations, I see them a little bit differently. I feel like mantras and affirmations aren't necessarily personalized. And this just might be my, my uh, blinders on. But like, if I can pull it off of Pinterest, uh, it's not customized enough for me. So there's that. But a declaration is incredibly customized. And the thought being there is that if I can declare who I want to be every day, and there's a whole model of scientific uh, going through your particular activating system, seeing something, saying something, hearing it and feeling it, and that getting it through your brain faster for rewirement, and that can help you be happier. But saying who you want to be every day as a reminder is a huge happiness habit. Huge. And so much so that like, once you get to that point of like, okay, this is who I want to be. I'm saying it. I'm saying it with power. I'm saying it with authority. You start to believe it and you can use that declaration at any point in time. So if you have a kind of nerve wracking client meeting that you're a little nervous about, but you want to step up and be your best self, you say your declaration because you've identified who your best self is. Uh, that car example, like getting in the car accident, getting rear-ended. My first thought was, are you freaking kidding me right now? And then my second thought was, that's not who I want to be. I want to be, and I say my declaration, which is, I am an intuitive mentor, vibrant, abundant, and filled with light. I can't be angry at someone who's rear-ended me if I'm vibrant, abundant, and filled with light. I can't do that. Doesn't, it's, it goes against who I want to be, and I can use that declaration as a reminder of who I want to be. I can use that declaration in audio. I can say it to myself and then record it, put it in my headphones, and do it when I'm working out. Make it subconscious almost. But using a declaration as a daily habit is a huge, huge, huge component of identifying who you are, where you want to be, and reminding yourself to take action to become that person every chance that you get. Amazing. And the other direction you wanted to go in? Yes, other direction. So uh, some of your listeners, you may even be familiar with 75 Hard by Andy Frazella. Yes, but spell it out. Yes. Okay. So 75 hard. Um, there's a first 75 days and there's actually a full year program with several phases. Uh, but 75 hard is, um, going from memory here and I've been off of it for two weeks. Uh, so it's a workout daily workout outdoor 45 minutes every single day. Same thing. Uh, 45 minute workout indoor every single day, a gallon of water every single day, reading 10 pages of a personal development book, taking a progress picture, and then also maintaining a meal plan with no alcohol. So uh, I was on this fence of like, I believe, here's my growth pattern here, but I was like, yeah, I really like to focus on the mental stuff. I like to, if you can't already tell, I like to be very strategic, systematic. I put things in place in a process that makes sense for me that I can build upon. My brain is very much that way. And so in personal development, self-help, I've been like, yeah, I'll let the workout coaches and all those people focus on the physical. I'm really on the mental here. And that's a big piece for me. 
Well, then I found out about 75 hard and I'm one of those people that I'm like, oh, only 1% of the people in the world will do it and only half of that percent will actually finish. I'm going to finish. So I did it and I've actually just completed the full year of the program. So all four phases as of two weeks ago. So I now can say, yes, I do believe that the physical component, what we're eating, all of those pieces have such a huge, huge impact on our happiness. When I eat, and I'm not saying this is for everybody, for me personally, because I'm not a health and fitness coach, but I do think this does have a play in happiness for looking at the emotional components of it. When I eat dairy and when I eat refined sugars, I mentally am foggy. I'm not at my best self. I'm not thinking clearly. I'm not thinking quickly. I'm not witty. I'm not clever. I'm not strategic. But then also when I eat refined sugars within the next 24 hours, my temper is like that. I like the smallest things set me off. And I'm like, that's really interesting. And I can track it and pay attention because the mental piece and go, yep, I don't want to do that. So I've been doing some of those pieces. And then I decided to start 75 hard and do the year program. And it's transformed my life to a whole nother level. And I believe that that is a core piece of happiness. So yes, I think in terms of the physical, the emotional, the spiritual, I did add additional things like uh, phase two, he adds additional power items that you can pick. And I picked things like journaling every day. There is a visualization component in the phase two as well. Uh, 10 minutes of visualization, five minutes of cold shower, stuff like that. And I, you know, those add to a spiritual, a physical element. Journaling, and then there's a process. Uh, I'm going to say the third thing you could do every day is called slaying. And I did that every day. I still do that every day. And essentially, that's writing on a piece of paper. I am feeling, insert negative negative emotion here. I am feeling blank because, and then you write out the stories that come to your mind of why you're feeling that way. Then what you do is that gets it up and out of you and organized instead of chaos up here, organized on paper and you can get it up, out and away. So then you rip it up, you throw it away. You don't tell anybody what it said mm -hmm. it's just for you to get out and kind of forget about it and get those emotions away from you. So then you are expressing instead of suppressing your emotions and doing that every day helps you have more clarity and, and happiness as well. So that was a lot. I apologize. No. I talked really fast. <laughs> oh, it's, it's absolutely perfect. Um, I, I love so much of what you said. I, I, I do and have done like cold showers, for example, I go through phases. Sometimes I do it, then I take a break. Then I'm like, oh, I should get back into it. So I, and, and journaling, um, I've always known I should be doing it. And for the last um, three months, I've been doing morning pages. Are you aware of yeah. this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, Julia Cameron's uh, The Artist's Way book. And uh, uh, it, it's just basically a uh, her strategic way of journaling. But when you spoke about slaying, similar concept because one of the ideas of morning pages is three handwritten pages very first thing in the morning before your brain even realizes that you're awake and what's happening you you, you just get everything down including how you're feeling and just, just just get it out on the paper so you could start your day with this clear head so I love all that I want to ask you about fear. My, my brand, The Hidden Entrepreneur, was built on that foundation, spent a lifetime hiding behind fear, allowing it to control me and keep me sort of hidden in place there. Uh, can you share a time with us that comes to mind where you were overcome with fear and you knew you could have gone in either direction, either cower in the corner with tears or say, you know what, I got to do what I got to do and, and power right through it. And you did go right through it. Yeah. 
I'm trying to pick which one to tell. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. So overcome by fear. When I first started all this stuff, all the happiness pieces, I told you I went to some personal development conferences. And one of the things that they taught at that conference was vision boards. And I was like, okay, I want to step into, I want to try it. Why not? Right. I'm like, I'm going to do this. And I was so afraid of my husband. I was so afraid that I was going to lose him by stepping into this next piece. Hmm. And I, I mean, just overcome. And then there's also this fear, like I already talked about of like, this is my next level. And what in my life am I going to lose? if I step into this. And so I knew it was what I needed to do. I think a lot of us do. Like when we have those fearful moments, we know what we need to do and we just don't do it or we do. Right. And for me, I just kind of like my body language right now, like I just kind of shrunk away from it all. And was like, okay, do I really, do I really want to do this? Is this really what I want? I'm so afraid. Like what if my husband's going to leave me? And there was, I should know my husband's amazing. He would never like, he's so supportive, so supportive. And it was just all in my head that I was like, he's going to leave me if I do this. And it's going to be weird. Cause like, I'm going to get up really early in the morning and I'm going to say stuff and yell stuff out loud to the wall and a picture on the wall. Like, this is so weird and woo woo. And he's going to judge me and he's going to leave me. And I was just so afraid. And so like two weeks after I go to this conference, I'm like, I know I need to do this. I know I need to do this. This is those next pieces in my life and why can't I do it? And I was like, I'm afraid and I need, I need to talk to him. So I'm like, Hey, <laughs> it was a car conversation. Hey, I need to chat with you about something. He's like, yeah, okay. And he's driving. And I'm like, I, so I went to that conference, you know, and he's like, yeah, it's like, I, I want to do this vision board thing. And I, I need to like, I thought I needed to, right? Obviously right, it's right, right. my but I was like, I need to yell at the wall <laughs> what I want. And it's going to be really weird. And I'm really afraid of what you're going to think of me. Mm. And he was like, go for it. I don't care. <laughs> it was like no big deal. And I built it up so much because I was so afraid. And he's like, yeah, that's, that's, sure. Yeah. Okay. It's a little weird, but go for it. I don't, I don't care. It's, it's fine. Like if it's going to help you, that's, that's what I want. And that's going to be great. Cause side note, remember he told me I wasn't happy and I admit he missed that. Here we are. Right. And so he's like, yeah, go for it. I don't care. And I, it was a really interesting conversation because as I continued, I still felt afraid. And then I just blurted it out and I was like, I'm afraid of how it's going to make you feel. Great. Yeah. I wasn't afraid that I was going to lose him because I stepped forward. I was afraid I was going to leave him behind and it would make him feel bad. And at that point in his amazingness, he said, no, that's my own. That would be my own problem. If I can't, if I'm not keeping up or I'm feeling that way because you're starting to feel happy, then that's for me to own. And that's for me to figure out. He's like, I want you to be happy. You do whatever you think you need to do. And at that point in talking about getting permission, I had permission to kind of go, okay, yeah, I've been pulled this way. I've been pulled, pulled, pulled. And I've been so afraid and it's just pulling tighter and tighter. And now I almost have that. I have that permission from the person I love most in the world to be able to move forward that way. And so that's one example of just yeah. like being so afraid. And then sometimes you just have to have those hard conversations. And then if it had gone the other way, 
If it had gone the other way at that point in time, I probably would have retreated for another two, three years, still felt that pull and eventually have to have that conversation again and make some changes. You're reading my mind because I was going to ask, I don't know how much time we have or um, how deep this part is, but uh, so yes, um, you could, we could get people to that point where you just have to uh, confront the situation in words. But what if, for an example, in any other situation, using this as the example, you went to your husband, you said, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, say this against the wall and this and that, and I don't want to feel like you're left behind. What if he wasn't supportive? Yes, you would have retreated for a couple of years, but now what could we do so that doesn't happen? I think that's a lot of open conversations and communication, right? Uh, we're going to go in a weird spot here, but I believe that if you're in a relationship with somebody that you love and they don't want to support whatever you're trying to do to be happy, ah, uh, that's a rough spot. Right. Dot, dot, I'm not dot. telling you to leave your spouse like yeah. at all, like, or, but it's just a rough spot and it puts you in a situation where you have to make those decisions. And the hope is, is that you're in a spot where you can go, okay, may, maybe they don't, it's not that they don't want me to be happy. It's that maybe they, are struggling with this too. And we've just never talked about it. So I would have, I would try to have those conversations with the understanding. And this is where it gets kind of tricky with the understanding that you are in a, a respectful, responsible, non-abusive relationship. If you're in a, in a good relationship and you're hitting these problems, communication, honesty, respect for each other is everything. And having those pieces, if you're in an abusive relationship and situation, that's a different ball game. Um, and I, I'm not going to say one way or the other, what somebody could do, because I have my personal beliefs and opinions on that, uh, which I think is kind of obvious, but, um, I, I'm not going to tell anybody how to live their life. But I think when it comes to that, if you are in a supportive relationship, taking a look at it and being like, well, why did they kind of shut that down? Okay. Like maybe there's something on their side and maybe we can have this discussion and we can learn and grow together and we can support each other instead of me feeling like, Hey, guess what? I'm going to do this. And then being like, well, what, wait a minute, everything's going to change. And they're in a space of fear. So it's having those open communications and things like that. And also I like to discuss what's called the rubber band effect. So instead of crabs in a bucket and pulling each other down, which a lot of relationships, it's like, oh, that person's succeeding, that person's losing weight, whatever, and I feel like I have to keep up or I'm getting left behind, and so you kind of pull them mm -hmm, back down. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, that's crabs in a bucket. But mm -hmm. if you can have a relationship that's a rubber band effect, essentially what it is is if I'm making these changes here, my spouse, we're a rubber band. So if I'm making these changes here and he's here, the rubber band gets tighter. and eventually they're going to have to let go and they'll shoot past me. Mm -hmm, and then mm -hmm. now they're learning and growing and my rubber band's tighter. And I'm like, well, I want to like, I want to be there with my spouse and my rubber band. And you just end up going and lifting each other up the entire time versus pulling each other down. The alternative to that is if they don't ever want to come up, rubber band breaks and we have to make some decisions, but I don't, I don't know if that helps. Uh, relationship stuff. I, I love talking relationship stuff, but it's not my area of expertise. Right. But the, the part that is, is the, the personal responsibility for, yes. for, for one, one piece of the relationship. And that's what I uh, appreciate. Wow. We could, um, we could certainly go on and on and oh, yeah. on, can't we? I feel like we just, we just even uh, touched 
you know, barely into things, but um, a lot of good spoken here. Um, let me leave you with our final question that I ask of all my guests. Taylor Proctor, how would you like to be remembered? I would like to be remembered as someone who's happy and who made an impact. My, well, twofold, twofold. I'm going to give you a little bit longer. Um, sure. My internal, what I feel my internal purpose is, is to learn and grow as much as possible and to be as happy as I can. My external purpose is to help other people achieve their best life and be as happy as they can. And so to be remembered for those things, to be remembered as someone who's always learning and growing, as someone who is ultimately happy, and then as someone who helps other people achieve that as well, it would be the ultimate in my legacy. Mm. Absolutely beautiful. So, so um, profoundly satisfying to speak with you. I mean that you're beautiful on the inside and the out, and I appreciate your time. How could people uh, continue the conversation with you? Totally. So I uh, have a website, happinessabound.com. I'm on most social media platforms and profiles. And then I also have a podcast of my own, uh, Happiness Abound. It's on all major podcast listening platforms. Uh, it's also on YouTube, IGTV. So video, if that's more your style, but uh, I would love to connect with you and see how I can help. That's absolutely amazing. Well, thank you again, Taylor, for um, your, your wealth of knowledge. Really appreciate that. And everybody for tuning in. I appreciate your most valuable resource, the time. I say that there's no refunds on that, right? You can't get it back. You can't watch this and say, please uh, give me back those 60 minutes that I lost. I only wish I could, but I more wish that you got some value out of this. So thank you for tuning in. We're going to do it again before too long. Until we do, as always, go get them. Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.